do you want more of God himself? Uh, not, not necessarily earthly blessings, um, not the gifts of God, but do you want a deepening relationship with the God who made you, who sent his son to die for you? Um, that, that's the payoff. As we listen to God's word, as we have fellowship with him, it's a deepening relationship with our creator. Hey guys, welcome to the Decision Point Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hobson, president of Decision Point. And hey, happy new year. It is 2024 and we have a great uh, God in 2024 that we get to serve and we're going to trust God for a great year together in 2024. Hey, I hope these podcasts have been an encouragement to you. It was so fun launching this just in 2023 uh, and to work through so many great guests. So to each of our guests who came on, thank you so much for coming on and to everyone who's been tuning in around the country and even around the world. Thanks for being with us because, you know, Decision Point, it's, it's a team. It's a community of students, of staff, of parents, of youth leaders uh, and supporters who are all banding together to say, let's ask God uh, to save this generation. And we want to be a people that are living uh, for the high call that Christ has on our life, people who are committed uh, to Christ and his word, who are going to stand for Christ and his word in a culture uh, that is uh, compromising and trying to get us to bow the knee to so many different things. We want to be a, a community of people who are living for Christ in a generation that's living for ourselves we want to be a people living for Christ and, and actually building our lives on the rock of Christ and his word. And of course, we want to be people who are going to witness for Christ and are going to endure hardship for him because we believe he's worth it. And as we think about what that will take in our lives to be this kind of people, we know that fundamentally, we're going to have to be people who are rooted in the word, who are abiding in Christ by abiding in his word. And so as we're, we're starting 2024 together, I thought, what better way than to encourage all of us to be people of the word in 2024. And to help me with that, I've brought on a friend, uh, John Nielsen, a pastor at a church here in Wheaton where I live. I've known John for about 10 years, uh, just has a tremendous ministry as a pastor and as an author and as an evangelist. And so I think you're gonna really enjoy the conversation that we had. So check it out. Well, John, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Hey, thanks for coming in. Uh, so for people who don't know you, mm -hmm. uh, you serve as senior pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church in Wheaton, Illinois, uh, where you've been since, is it 2017? Uh, yeah, June of 2017. And before that, you got a BA in English literature. I was an English major, uh, but you were at Wheaton College, uh, where you also played for the college basketball team. Is that right? Yeah, I usually say I majored in basketball, minored in uh, English literature, as you mentioned. You majored in basketball. <laughs> How did the team do while you guys were there? We had good teams. Good yeah, teams. Good, good you teams. played. Uh, you... I played point guard. Played point guard. Yep. Yeah, good. It was Division Three basketball, but really fun, fun level. It was the right level for me to play at and had, had some fun years. You there. did all four years? Yeah, 2001 to 2005. What did you enjoy most about the team? Oh, I, our conference was great. We played in the CCIW and just a great Division Three conference, good physical basketball and yeah, good good battles, good rivalries. So then after you, you played basketball at Wheaton, or after you majored in basketball at Wheaton, we should say, <laughs> you, you decided to go major in getting a Master of Divinity 
uh, yeah. doctor of ministry. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, as I was coming to the end of my my time at, at Wheaton College, I, I knew that I wanted to either go into coaching or go into pastoral ministry. Those two things kind of connected with the way I was wired and ended up moving into the city and working with a church there called Holy Trinity Church and was trained by pastors there, started seminary, and ended up coaching five years of high school basketball as well. So You got to do both. I got to do some of both as I was going through yeah. my initial ministry training, which was really fun. That's fantastic. And then uh, just to help other people get to know you a little bit more, you're also uh, an author. Uh, you've got a series, is it called Knowing God's Truth? Uh, the first book in the series is called Knowing God's Truth. The series is called Theology Basics. Okay. And the idea is just kind of a, a low-level introduction to systematic theology, biblical theology, and biblical interpretation. And it's geared at just a young believer who hasn't done a ton of formal theological study yet. And then you've got uh, a number of different books. We're going to get into one of them here in a moment, your, uh, your book, uh, God's Great Story, that's just hot off the press. Uh, so we're going to ask you a bunch of questions about that, as well as the ESV Teen Study Bible that you helped to edit, uh, and then a number of different articles on, on youth ministry. I'll bug you with some questions on that in a minute. Uh, you got a family? Tell us about your family. Yeah, I've been married to my wife, Jeannie, for 15 years, and uh, we have four kids, four daughters. Uh, they are a lot of fun. They keep us busy. Uh, my wife is a college soccer coach, and that's that makes fall crazy and full and a lot of fun. Our, our girls play soccer, too, and so we've got a lot of soccer. Even though I, lo I love basketball, I've grown to love soccer as well. You've grown to love soccer. It's not that hard to love soccer, John. And then uh, do you get to coach anymore, or are you just down to pastoring now? You know, I, I, I've coached some of my kids' teams, okay. in, mainly in basketball, not in soccer, But because uh, I, don't, I don't know much about soccer. I'm just a fan. You're just a fan. Okay, yeah. that's great. So we're going to talk about reading the Word today, but first I'd love just for people to get to know even more of your backstory of growing up. So, I mean, can you tell us, how did you come to know the Lord? And even what were some of the bigger influences in your life when you were in high school? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I tell people I, I have kind of the boring testimony, which is, I think, a blessing that that I had a mom and dad who loved, loved Jesus, loved the church, taught me the Bible. Uh, I grew up, I think, saying yes to God and faith from, from a really young age. I, I remember even probably as young as five or six, being really conscious of how holy and perfect God was and how sinful I was. I was terrified of hell, which I know is not the only reason that you turn to Christ, but, but I certainly was aware of this reality of judgment because I, I knew I was a sinner. And uh, so I remember praying alone at night in my room, asking God to save me through, through, the, through what Jesus has done on the cross, and, but grew up uh, in, in the church, um, I, I think as I look back, though, there were some key influences in my life. I, had a, I have a wonderful godly father, but I had a few coaches who were passionate competitors, but also loved the Lord, and they modeled for me um, what it looks like to be a godly man. Uh, I had a couple of youth pastors who, who had a big influence on me, just their teaching of the Word, and and uh, just some role models that I think God put in my life at the right time of, hey, this is what it looks like to be a man's man. This is what it looks like to be someone who loves athletics or someone who can have fun, but also is deeply committed to Jesus and, and God's Word. I, I love that, that last bit of uh, someone who can still have fun and be deeply committed. Uh, the president of Biola, when I was there, Clyde Cook, apparently had a saying, uh, take your mission 
t- uh, seriously, uh, yourself not so seriously, you yeah. know, and just yeah. the sense of, man, wh- whatever God's given you, you take that deadly seriously, but we don't need to be uptight. We can have yeah. a good sense of humor. Yeah, and, we have to be able to laugh at ourselves. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's for sure. So, uh, yeah, and I think boring testimonies are a blessing for sure. I, I grew up in a pastor's home and, you know, like, man, what a gift and what mm-hmm. a gift your kids have to grow up with, you know, you guys as parents teaching them from a young age. Okay, but then how did you go from that to uh, deciding you were actually called uh, to be a pastor? Yeah, I, I think even in in high school, uh, I started to I had a couple of voices around me challenge me that I needed to step up and be more of a spiritual leader. Um, I, I think I, I I knew the Lord, I was following Jesus, but I I also like to have fun and like to be the goof off and. Not not push moral boundaries in a serious way, but just kind of be sarcastic and uh, play pranks and jokes, which is which is fun to a point. But as I got to the end of high school, I did have a few voices around me point to the fact that I had influence. You know, I, I was I was an athlete um, um, socially. I think I was pretty well respected and liked. And there were some people who said you need to use that influence more intentionally to encourage others in their faith and to point others to Jesus. And so probably my senior year of high school, I, I, I started to listen to that. And I remember I started a Bible study my senior year, and it was the first time I'd ever tried to lead my peers in a Bible study. And it was challenging. I realized this is, this is hard, and, and actually trying to lead is not easy. Uh, but I think the Lord was beginning to stir in my heart this desire to to use whatever influence or position you have to point other people to Christ. That's amazing. And then when when did you decide you're okay? You're called to be a pastor, and I guess whenever when did you kind of come to terms with that? And well, yeah, I I would describe it as, and and this I think is what should happen for anybody. You have both an internal and an external yeah. call. So internally, you feel the Lord stirring something in your heart. I, I want to tell others about Jesus. I want to be a Bible teacher, and and this this thrills me. I could see myself giving my life to this. So that's the internal. But then external, I had some voices around me affirming that and saying, "Yeah, John, I think you're you're gifted in this way. I think you really should think about pastoral ministry." And I tell young people, you really do need both of those things. So if you've got an internal call but no one around you is, is telling you you're gifted <laughs> for this, you should probably question that yeah. internal call. And if you've got people around you saying, you should go into full-time ministry, but you don't sense an internal call to that, then I would question it as well. I think both of those things are really important. That's interesting. That's an interesting way to think about it. Was there ever a, a sense of like, oh man, but I really was hoping to go do this other career and I got to lay it all on the altar and kind of count the cost or was it all just kind of exciting and yeah I mean I, I still love sports yeah so so the other thing I, I could have seen myself doing is going to coaching coach, yep. coaching basketball and I do sometimes think man what would my life look like if I had gone that road yep. although for me I actually don't think my calling would have been radically different because I look at coaching as it's a leadership role it's character formation yep. if you're in a Christian environment it can be intentional discipleship. Yep. So I, I view coaching and pastoring actually as pretty similar callings. So I think the Lord would have blessed either, either path. So you give, you give halftime talks in the pulpit? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do joke with guys. My, we are down by eight. <laughs> yeah, well, I do. I do joke with my congregation that I try to limit myself to one sports analogy per sermon. Per sermon, that's because good. that's where my mind goes. It always yeah. goes to sports, and the rest of them are just stories about your kids, right? Yeah, I yeah, try to avoid that, that as much too. as I can. As my kids have gotten older, mm. I, I I've told them I'm going to try to not use you as illustrations that, all the I'm time. I'm sure they appreciate that. So, okay, we're going to limit you to one sports an- illustration on this episode, and Sounds no stories good. about your kids. All right, so. <laughs> okay, before, uh, you're a senior pastor today, but you were a youth pastor for a while and yeah. did a lot of college student ministry. Uh, can you share with us some of the places you served uh, uh, in pastoral ministry at the youth level before yeah. becoming? A, and what did you enjoy about that? Yeah, so I, I was kind of the youth intern at our church in, in the city, downtown Chicago, yeah. for about three years. That was Holy Trinity Church, and then I, I was the high school pastor here in town at College Church in Wheaton for about three years. And then I moved into the college pastor role at College Church in Wheaton uh, for about another three years. So, yeah, I mean, I would say those those years in high school ministry were a ton of fun. And I think our our youth ministry there was a really we really tried to combine deep study of God's word. So you know, and I'll, we'll talk about this later. My conviction is that high school students really are after depth. Yep. And they don't want fluff. They don't want shallow stuff. They actually want the meat of God's word and God's truth. But we also had a lot of fun. I mean, we did we did crazy things. We we went on retreats that were a blast. So it was a fun fun years of ministry to combine in depth biblical teaching with with good times. That's uh, it's a great combination. And I know you've written some great articles on youth ministry, but um, I know we share a belief in just the power of the gospel and the potential of young people. But why, I mean, why do you believe so much in young people? Yeah, I, I think young people, both high school and college, th- those are trajectory setting years. Um, so often we'll look at high school students and we'll look at it just as this isolated season or phase rather than they, they are setting the trajectory for the rest of their lives. So I, I look at both high school and college ministry as, as ministering to young men and women in such a strategic point in their lives. And, and the statistics show vast majority of people who come to Christ are going to come to Christ before they're adults. And so I, I think those are just such wonderful years for ministry. And, and students, I, I do think, are are hungry for real relationships and especially in the college years are 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 looking for mentors they're looking for people to to help direct them in their next steps and it was fun to step into that and be kind of an older brother in the faith to those students you know it is that people aren't looking for fluff i mean we kind of i think saddle youth with the burden of low expectations like oh maybe the stretch goal will be don't fail spiritually in high school as though that's like the the lofty achievement or uh, don't goof it up too bad, or don't be too obnoxious to your parents. And it's like, <laughs> man, you give kids low expectations, they'll rise to meet them every time. But yeah. you believe in young people and say, man, we believe God wants to use you today. Like you're a serious individual. You got a head on your shoulders, a huge heart in your chest, and God wants to use you today. Yeah, man, that uh, can just be so transformative. Yeah, and I think students are are ready to be inspired. They're ready to be called to that. They're ready to be challenged. I mean, you think about some of the things they're tackling in in their coursework in, in high school classes. They're doing high-level math. They're, they're engaging with difficult topics in history. 
and, and then somehow we think they can't handle being challenged with God's word and with a call to go share the gospel. They can. They absolutely yeah. can. I think those low expectations sometimes also come just from, uh, do we do we really believe the Bible is powerful? Do we really believe that if we teach it, people will be interested? Or do we really believe in even the power of the gospel? Yeah. Uh, that if we equip teens to share it, like great things are going to happen every time, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay, then you've also done a lot of work in an evangelistic ministry. I'd love just for people listening to get a sense for some of the work you did at an Ivy League college, helping yeah. lead. And how did you see the power of the gospel at work in that setting? Yeah, thanks for asking. We we were at Princeton University for two years, 2015 to 2017, and led a helped lead a campus ministry. We actually had eight full time workers on campus. And it, it was basically a ministry that was driven by, we, we didn't call them this, but they were essentially evangelistic Bible studies. And the, the, the cool thing about that ministry is probably roughly half of the students in those Bible studies were not yet believers. And so we were opening up the Gospel of Mark, we were opening up the book of Colossians, Philippians, and, and, and diving into study with really bright, really driven students, many of whom had not yet met Christ. And it, it was just a remarkable reach that this ministry had developed into campus. Uh, a lot of the athletes were involved in our ministry. Uh, we were actually, at one point, the largest student group of any kind on campus. Of any kind. Yeah, more than 400 students involved in our ministry. And yeah, just wonderful relational connections with the students. Uh, what, what I did find is that, you know, when we first got there to Princeton, you're, you're going to the number one ranked school in the nation, and it can be kind of intimidating. But you realize these are young men and women who are struggling with the same insecurities, the same doubts, the same questions as anybody else. And uh, they need the same gospel and the yeah, same savior. the same savior. gospel will actually reach them too, <laughs> That's right? exactly right, yeah. <laughs> and it was the same Bible. You were, same Bible. Like, same Colossians, yeah. same Mark. Yep. Now, some of the apologetics, defending the faith conversations are maybe a little higher level there, but in general, it was, it was straightforward gospel ministry to students who need Jesus. That must have driven some of the, uh, the liberals crazy to see this Bible study group, the largest group on campus. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, some of them, yes, and we definitely, there, there were a few hit pieces on our ministry yeah, yeah. that were written in the student paper and that kind of thing. But I, I will say in general, I think we developed a pretty good reputation on campus. Um, I think, I think our, our staff especially, there was a consistency of integrity and character and just genuine care. Uh, I, I remember having some groups. I, I hosted a lot of our my, my Bible studies in our home, right across the street from campus, and there were students who would say, "This is the only hour of my week where I feel like I can let my guard down, wow. and I feel like I'm not just stressed out to the maximum level." So, so I do think our ministry was providing a respite and encouragement, an opportunity for them to actually think about their hearts and souls in the midst of an environment that is work hard, party hard, I mean, all in all the time. That, um, you must miss it a bit, huh? Yeah, I, I, I miss that aspect of it. Um, it they, were, they were fun years. We, we felt like our calling was to get back into pastoral ministry yep. in the church, but loved, loved the ministry during those years and have stayed in touch with a lot of the students. 
That's great. Well, we want to uh, dive on into our topic for the day of being people who are fed by God's Word. Uh, we're recording this episode in December with your preaching schedule at the end of the year. We thought we'd go ahead and record it in early, but uh, it's, it's it's a new year. It's 2024 now, and we want to dare students today to do something. Uh, and it's this. We want to dare students to read the whole Bible, yeah. like read the whole Bible cover to cover in 2024. Maybe for some of our students, this is like they've never even thought of doing this or they thought about maybe doing that when they're 40. Uh, but we want to encourage them to do it in 2024. We know it can be done. Uh, but why do you believe young people should read the Bible in general? And why do you believe they should even read the whole Bible this year? Yeah, I, I would start by saying if, if you love someone, you're going to listen to what they say. I mean, that, that's a pretty fundamental truth. I've been married for 15 years, mentioned that earlier. If I tell my wife I love her and then don't listen to a word she says, <laughs> that is communicating very clearly that I actually don't love her or care about her very much. So, so fundamentally, I want to say, if you claim to love God and don't pay attention to his written inspired word, what he says, then, then how can you claim to love him? So I really want to challenge students to to listen to God's word as what it is, the, the inspired living word of the God who made you, who sent his son to save you. So first and foremost, reading the Bible regularly is an expression of love to your God. Um, but then the other principle I start with, and, and in this book, I just encourage students to read one chapter a day. So it's not, it's not actually a read the entire Bible in a year plan, even though you make your way from Genesis to Revelation throughout the year. Uh, my, my principle is, you know, you've heard the phrase, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing well. My tweak on that is, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing badly. So, so my, my point is, start small, start with small chunks, but get into God's Word every day. And, and, and hear from him, receive what he has to say. Okay, so we got two different ways you can take the challenge. You can read the whole thing, <laughs> yeah. or you can read a chapter a day That's right. in a way that'll work your way through the whole Bible. That's right. Okay, we'll, we'll give two options there. Yeah. And we're going to get into your book and how it'll help them with that uh, later on. Okay, but tell us first, how did you develop the habit of reading your Bible every day? Yeah, it was something I started in high school. So if there's high school students listening, I mean, I, I, would, I would say to them, yeah, this is, I started that habit in high school. It was hard for me in high school, so so it took me. Yeah, what was hard about it? Um, it felt boring. Yeah, it felt like something I I knew I should do, but I didn't love it. I knew it was right. Um, I knew it was a good discipline, but but I but my honest word to high school students is that it took me a few years before I I began to really enjoy personal time with God in, in Bible reading and prayer. But, but I think those years were not wasted. I think God was growing that love for his word in me. And you don't see it all at once, but over time, you actually begin to desire his word. I mean, the, the way I'll talk about it sometimes is that your taste buds begin to change. Mm. It's, it's like learning to love coffee. You know, every kid who tastes coffee for the first time hates it. It tastes bitter, it tastes nasty, but... Yeah, you're probably drinking coffee I'm drinking right now. Coffee can yeah. attest it's it's worth. We it's love worth coffee. It. Yeah. How do we get there? Yeah. We get used to. It. We develop a taste for yeah. it, and in the same way, you develop a taste for God's word. Yeah, that's great. I, I heard a an African pastor one time talk about. I think it was prayer, uh, but the same would go for Bible reading. Uh, go, you got to just be willing to go from duty 
through discipline to delight. Yeah. And uh, that's a great, that's a great word and good encouragement to any student that's finding yep. maybe even, oh, you didn't want to say it out loud, but you said it, yeah. you're a pastor, you found the Bible reading somewhat boring at times as you were getting into it. So, yeah. And I think it, that struggle has probably only gotten more pronounced with high schoolers today yeah. who, who have so many more things being thrown at them. And, and often in little sound bites, I mean, you think about how quickly different scenes flash by on, on different social media, whether it's Instagram or whatever, and our attention spans, I do think, have gotten shorter. Yep. And so even to sit down and focus on reading the Bible for 15 minutes takes a different level of discipline and concentration that a lot of younger people are not as used to. And so it's a discipline, but I, I like those words. It's, it's my duty, <laughs> and then it becomes a discipline. But over time, you find that you're actually delighting in God's Word. So uh, thanks for keeping it real, uh, um, yeah. the challenges you face then. I mean, what challenges do you still even face today? I mean, you're a pastor, so surely reading the Bible takes zero discipline today, and it's just pure, I mean, heavenly visions every morning in your living room, right? Yeah, I would like to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, my challenge as a pastor now is that I'm, I'm in Scripture so often, but, I, but I'm so often preparing to preach it. And so my, I, my, my challenge is to separate times when it's just purely devotional. Um, so I, I'm, reading, I'm reading through Scripture in the morning, not because I'm getting ready to prepare a sermon on it, but just because I value hearing from God's Word. And uh, I use a, a plan, I've used it for years, by an old Scottish preacher, Robert Murray McShane, and it's a read through the Bible in a year, uh, about four chapters a day, and I've used that for years. I do that every morning, and it's a really sweet time. There are some, some mornings I'm tempted to skip it and get right to sermon prep, or, or, oh man, I got all these emails I need to answer. But every time when I, when I stop and say, no, this is more important to do first, I, I, it's confirmed that this is good for my soul. That's great. Uh, do you have like a, a book that just puts all four of those readings together, or do you just what do you? I use actually signed. What I did is I sign up for uh, an email, so I get oh, an wow. email every morning, and it tells me the four passages I read. And so it's it's kind of a a you, built-in reminder. You read them on your phone. You read them on the hard copy. What do you do? Uh, sometimes hard copy. Often just on my computer. I'll go to go to the um, the Bible website and, and just read them on there. Interesting. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, what's, a, what's a passage of the Bible that's been coming alive to you lately? Well, I just got done preaching through James, and James is, James is like, I mean, the illustration I kept using with our church is it is a punch in the stomach. I mean, James is so concerned that believers in Christ are actually living out their faith, yeah. this real living, breathing faith. And he's he's so hard on faith that would be mental assent, like I affirm the truths about God, but I'm not living it out. And it really is a challenging book that the Lord's been using in my heart too. Yeah, he likes to get um, he likes to get in your face. Uh, but you did say punch in the stomach. I'm gonna call that a boxing metaphor. Oh so I shoot, think just, I used my sports used metaphor. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll call that a, a street a street fight. All right. uh, punch in the stomach. You still have you still have one left. I'm just okay. messing. Um, okay, then when it comes to reading through the whole Bible, whether it's like the whole thing or the one chapter a day plan that we're going to get into in a minute. I mean, what are some some pain points that you think students just would need to anticipate that they're going to face regardless? Because uh, that's that's not an easy journey. It's not like that's just a yeah. You can go do that in one day. It takes 365 days of faithfulness. It takes perseverance. It takes 
some sections that are easier than others. But I mean, yep. what, what, how would you kind of in, help them anticipate? Here are the challenges you're going to face, so they know what they're getting into. One big challenge is that we are we desire relevance, and we d- desire something that is going to immediately touch my life, mm. or give me a thought for the day, or it's going to it's going to apply to the exact situation that I'm facing right now. And so often what the Bible does, especially as we read through it and just take it in on its own terms, is the Bible The Bible tells us what's relevant. And we actually begin to hear things from God through his word that we might have not thought was the most important thing we needed to hear, but it's what God thinks we need to hear. And so it kind of reverses the priorities and allows God to speak to us what he wants us to know. He sets the agenda. He sets the agenda. Yeah, yeah that's a good way of putting it. Um, and and that, that, that's a different way of reading scripture than trying to find something that's relevant and just go into a proof text and just trying to find a verse that applies to my situation. I'm not saying that's all bad, but in terms of a life discipline, we need to be hearing from every part of God's word because often we don't even know what we need until we hear it from Scripture. That's a great thought. I, that can be really, di- you know, kind of disorienting. You're like, what does this passage? I read, I read Amos this morning. I was like, what does this yep. have to do with my life right now today? And the, the the good answer could be, well, nothing. It has to do with God's life today, and that's yeah, a whole different plane. That's a, gu- a great way of putting it. I mean, there are passages that we may read and we say, oh, man, this doesn't apply to my situation at all. But what the passage is telling us is, you need to learn this about God. You actually need to look at God and stop looking so much at yourself. Uh, Another example, I I read through Job fairly recently, and Job, you know, throughout the whole book, he's got these friends who are interacting with him in the midst of all his suffering, is is really wondering why. He wants answers. And when God finally speaks to him at the end of the book, he gives him zero answers. In fact, he he raises more questions. Gives him more questions. Yeah. yeah. You know, where were you, Job, when I created the world? Where were you when the mountain goats give birth? Do you know, do you see the eagles fly? And and really what he's saying is you don't need answers, you need a deepening trust in me. And, and Job ends the book without ever getting the full explanation of why the suffering happened, but he gets this bigger view of God. Mm. And he ends the book worshiping. So that, that's always, that's a good, I think, example of, of God setting the agenda for what we need the most. Uh, that's helpful. Uh, do you got a second or third pain point you think that students need to anticipate? In Bible reading? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, everyone says time. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have time. I'm so busy. I, I've got a lot of schoolwork. I've got practice. And, and my simple answer to that is, is, hey, let's be honest. We all make time for what is most important to mm-hmm. us. And I don't want to let high school students off the hook. Um, I've got four kids. My wife and I both work full time. We've got busy lives. Your lives are only going to get busier. I way busier. <laughs> way busier. And I remember saying that to students at Princeton who would complain about how busy they are. And I would say, your life is only going to get more busy. And they'd say, you're crazy, John. No, my life is so busy. And now, uh, actually, last year, one of them texted me and said, you were right. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I mean, my simple response to that is you make time for what is most valuable, what is most important. You know, you, you make time for a shower. <laughs> you make time to eat when you're hungry. Yeah. Uh, you should make time for God's word, even if it's 10 to 15 minutes a day. Yeah.
That's good. And then could you give us a both a hopeful but even even a realistic sense of what's the payoff? So a student says, yeah. okay, I'll take this challenge. I'll, I'll work through it. Um, what's the payoff? Yeah, I, I would just say the payoff is a deepening knowledge and a greater love for God. And, and it really comes down to the question, do you want more of God himself? Uh, not, not necessarily earthly blessings, um, not the gifts of God, but do you want a deepening relationship with the God who made you, mm. who sent his son to die for you? Um, that, that's the payoff. As we listen to God's word, as we have fellowship with him, it's a deepening relationship with our creator. And it, it comes down to, is that really the desire of your heart? Do you want God for God's sake? Or are you after some something else? Are you using God to get something else? I heard a, I saw a quote from John Piper one time. I wish I could remember it word for word, because, you know, John Piper, everything is just sure. so, you know, eloquent and on point, but he kind of gave up the sense of the payoff that w- was couched in some realism. And it was something to the effect of, you know, if you had to go through reading your Bible every day and have it be more on the duty and discipline side for like 364 days a year, yeah, just so that on one day a year, you actually felt like you heard from God directly, wouldn't it be worth 364 days just for one day like that? Yeah. And I remember that encouraged me one time as I was thinking like, yeah, the payoff is there, that, you know, growth in the Lord and that hearing from God is yep. real. But hey, if I don't feel like I'm experiencing that every day, uh, okay, maybe I need to grow on how I'm reading or whatever, but maybe I need to just keep yeah. pushing through because yeah, that, that'd be worth three years of Bible reading just totally. for one day like that. Yeah. You know? And the other thing I would add on, on the benefit would be, I mean, for high school students especially, to, to be reminded of God's perspective at the beginning of each day. I mean, so many of them I know, and maybe maybe some of the students who will listen to this, are being bombarded with anti-biblical messages throughout their school day. But to take even just a few moments at the beginning of each day to hear from God and to hear that perspective and to get kind of reestablished under his word, uh, I, I do think that the Lord will use that as then you go to school and hear competing cultural messages. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell us about God's great stories. So you've written this book. Thanks for the advanced copy of it, by the way. Sure. It's great to get that, a daily devotional for teens. Uh, you've got in here 365 one-page devos you, you wrote mm-hmm. somehow while pastoring and coaching and raising kids. So good for you. Uh, tell us about it. What are you hoping this will help? And this is for students. Yeah, this oh, is. So, yeah, sorry. It says for teens. That's awesome. Yeah, for teens. Yeah, the the idea is that I, f- first of all, when when someone first challenged me to write this, it was probably ten years ago. Uh, it was actually a parent of a high school student who said, you know, every devotional book for teens, it it's like it's trying to be cool, it's trying to be relevant, and there's not much depth to it, and. You know, it kind of gives a thought for a day, thought for the day, or motivational yeah. speech. But maybe it's like a half baked, half thought. <laughs> yeah, and it's not really getting them into the depths of the Bible. Yeah, and so that kind of, I think, you know, laid that seed in my brain. Like, hey, that would be something that would maybe serve teens well to give them a devotional book that's not super heavy. It's not really, really hard to get through, but there's some substance there. 
and uh, I, I'm neither hip nor cool. <laughs> so, you know, that it wasn't going to be my, my style anyway to try to go that direction. But what I've tried to do is just put, put together a path to read the Bible every day for a year, and then there's, there's an explanation of each passage you read, and then there's a little guide for prayer, which is a really important piece of it, is that I'm trying to encourage teens that as you read from God's Word, the way to pray, or at least begin praying, is to talk back to Him about the Word that you've just read. So, so to actually treat it as God's living Word, and then to respond to Him based on how He's spoken to you. And then tell us about how this would help somebody read through the Bible. Yeah, it, it's it's really taking the whole Bible as one connected story. There's obviously 66 different books, yeah. 40 different human authors, but one divine author. We believe in the inspiration of Scripture. Yeah. And so I'm taking the Bible as one united, connected story of God's saving work in the world. So it really, you, you begin in Genesis, you end in Revelation, you go through the whole Bible. And so each Devo of the day is based off one chapter of yeah. the Bible so that they're, they could read the one chapter that is that day. And if they do that, they'll work their way through at least yeah. the whole Bible. One, not every chapter, but... Not every single chapter, but you'll work through all of the key passages in the Bible throughout the year, and you'll you'll get a sense of the overarching story of God's redeeming work. So if I find a chapter of the Bible that's not in here... I'll just assume you don't think it's key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could assume that if you want. Yeah, no, I want to assume yeah. that. I'm just, so, and then tell us about the Teen Study Bible. So this is like sure. two great resources that I'd love for students to buy. I thought about airing this episode like, you know, uh, way back in December so students could put it on their Christmas wish list. But hey, uh, teens, listen, if you're listening, ask your mom and dad to buy you one of these, okay? <laughs> or, or go have these with them. Okay, yeah. tell us about the Teen Study Bible. Yeah, the, the Teen Study Bible was another project with, with Crossway, and, and I served as kind of the general editor. Uh, and it's really, it's a Bible. I mean, it's a Bible. You know, yeah. it, it's God's Word. But there, there's study notes. There are a few hundred sidebars that explain key points that make some applications for, for just life following Christ in today's culture. And then in the back, there are probably 15 different articles on key topics today that, that we think teens may be wrestling through. So sexuality and gender, relationship with your parents, um, social media and entertainment. So applying the gospel and biblical truth to some of those key areas. So we've just tried to make it a really good Bible with some additional material around it. And then your Devo uh, content is actually in there too, yeah, right? Yeah, the devotional content is in there as well. So the, all 365 of the daily devotionals are in this ESV Teen Study. Man, Bible. that's like a two for one. It totally is. That's fantastic. Uh, John, thanks for being here today. As we're wrapping up our time, just love to give you a chance to share any final words of encouragement or exhortation to students listening today who are trying to stand for Christ, live for Christ, witness for Christ, often in an increasingly hostile environment yeah. and having to endure a lot along the way. Yeah, I, I've, I've been thinking, I'm getting ready in a, in a few days to talk to all of the athletes at uh, Wheaton College, just yeah. right down the road. And uh, I've been thinking through Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, which is a lot of times people think that's about accomplishment. It's actually about contentment. Mm -hmm. He said in the verses before, I know how to abound. I know how to be brought low. I know how to be rich. I know how to be poor. I've discovered the secret of being content. Yep. And, and, uh, and obviously his secret is his contentment is found in Christ. So I would just want to say, first of all, to Christian teens... 
I, I want to encourage you to, to pray that God would help you treasure Jesus above all things, that you would be content in your Savior. And it's actually a deepening love for Jesus that is going to fuel your witness. Um, so, so I don't. I, w- I would want to see what we're talking about today—the time in God's Word, the time in prayer—not as something different than evangelistic witness, but it's actually what fuels it. Yep. As you grow in your love for God, your your embrace of the gospel, your treasuring of Jesus, your contentment in Him, you want others who are so lost uh, to come to know that same Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, John, how can people find you online? How can they find your resources? Well, so these two books are Crossway books, so you can go to Crossway Publishers' okay. website yep. and look at those. Um, I, I think that's probably the best okay. way. Yeah, that's great. I'd start there. And if they want to follow you on social media, are you on there? Or you... I, I am. Uh, I'm not super active, yeah. but I am on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, that would be a place um, to follow. Fantastic. Well, John, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Awesome.